Hey there, I'm here on the Oxcord on KBVR Corvallis with journeyman indie guitarist Daniel Spence, aka My Licky Jalapeno. If you've been to an organ house show in the pre-COVID world, odds are you've probably bumped into him once or twice. He's an organ-bound California transplant who's got his hand in the pot of over 100,000 collective streams on Spotify over the course of the past few years. My Lucky Jalapeno, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me, Nasty. You're going by My Lucky Jalapeno these days, but you've got a couple bands under your belt with names of a similar caliber of interest. Um, New Yesterday and Loophole, to name a few. Uh, In naming a new project, how do you settle upon a name? Maybe you could walk us through that process. Um, There are a couple different ways I do it. Uh, I don't have too much experience, but um, I have a list on my phone where I just write down cool names for either songs, albums, band names, even if I'm in a band or two at a time and I just come up with a name. I'll write it down along with the meaning, or if there's no meaning, I'll assign it later, but I just keep a list going all the time. In addition to swapping out names more than a few times, you've also phased in and out of particular genres. You've gone between more gritty, almost classic and punk rock influenced guitar riffs to more bubbly, soft indie pop sounds. And now, as of recent, it seems you're diving into a jazzier, almost sort of lo-fi vibe that feels like it draws a lot from alternative R&B at times. Is that transition ever jarring at all? Hmm. Well, I think it's just like I might be getting bored of what I'm playing and so I just find something new or I try to play whatever I'm listening to currently uh, so starting off in a, an indie alt rock band uh, I just kind of kept playing the same chords over and over and then I learned how to play my first major seven chord and uh, that kind of opened the door to jazz for me and then I joined Cheeky Moon which was jazzier and I got to put those to use And uh, after that, I was more interested in like effects and how to manipulate sounds other than just changing fingers and chord shapes and all that. And uh, I also just tend to change my music taste all the time. I'm I'm open to, to new sounds. And once I really like something, I try to recreate it in my own way, so. Throughout your many stages that you've had as an early musician, who would you say have been your biggest influences in terms of sound? Hmm. That's really tough. I would say for this project that I'm working on right now, um, I'm really influenced by Beck, Black Sabbath, Talking Heads, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, Primus, um, I guess more psychedelic, alternative, hard rock. Um, Like I said, I really like manipulating sounds with my fingers and using pedals. And uh, now that I'm kind of forced to record myself at home, I don't really have a band to to play with constantly. And so it just gives me more freedom to mess with tone. And uh, that's why I've been gravitating towards psychedelic and uh, experimental, I guess. Now, you've just rifled off quite a few artists who have been renowned for their stage presence. 
But in your time as a performing musician, you've played for a scattershot of crowds yourself along the West Coast. Yeah. From Portlanders to Los Angelinos and even Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> uh, what's it like to play music for Saul Goodman? I feel like I'm on Nardwar. <laughs> um, that was probably the most anxious I felt before going on stage. It was kind of funny. Even it's not that big of a deal, but like for me at the time it was just because it was one of my first times like playing in front of a crowd and it was like the first I, th- I want to say the second year or third year in New Yesterday and uh the the leader the vocalist of the band had peeked out just to kind of scan through the crowd and he noticed a very familiar face and uh he was in the front row and he told me and I didn't believe him and then he like literally grabbed my head and put it out <laughs> and I looked at and it was him Bob Odenkirk and um I told him we shouldn't play we're, we're not we're not good enough for his ears and I was just I don't know he's I don't even think he's a musician but I don't know I was just uh scared and uh we did it and he sat through it he sat through the, the entire set and I tried not to look at him too much, but he seemed to be enjoying it, so it wasn't that bad, and um, that helps, because uh, playing in front of different people can be really challenging. I think it's safe to say that your history of performing for an audience is enough to make someone with stage fright cry. Uh, what would you say is your all-time personal favorite thing on that resume? Um, I think it's pretty cool that I had the opportunity to play at the Whiskey A Go Go uh, on Sunset in Los Angeles. We actually opened up for uh, this band called Hudson, which is led by Katy Perry's brother, um, and that was kind of neat. Uh, we were responsible for like selling tickets, so we just got any friend who was remotely interested in music to come on down, and uh, family, and we tried to pack the place, didn't quite do it, but uh, I think we sounded pretty good. and. It's a great experience. Uh, a lot of my favorite bands have played there, and so it was uh, pretty surreal. <laughs> so, in other words, not the Geico commercial. Wow. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I'm, a, I'm a background actor in Hollywood, and uh, I've been doing it for a few years. Um, this is the first summer I haven't done it, um, which makes me sad because it's one of the things I really enjoy doing. But uh, I've been on several short films, just kind of low-budget films for Netflix and Hulu, and then a couple more well-known gigs like uh, Portlandia and a few movies and, uh, you know, the Geico commercial and, as of last summer, Space Jam 2. Um, yeah, that's, that's another one of my kind of hobbies. Uh, I just I love entertainment, and uh, I got to keep keep active there you have it uh if you ever need car insurance you know who to call (laughs) (laughs) but jokes aside um though you might be a part-time hollywood movie star you're also a former corvallian uh corvallite corvallitarian um tell us what it was like coming into the music scene up here after experiencing the dynamo of the scene in socal that's definitely got to be a contrast huh um, I loved it. I loved it, actually, because it was very competitive out here. I think everyone wants to be in a band in Los Angeles, and so it's very saturated. And 
Um, there's a lot of like judgments, a lot of clicks out here because there's so many people. And so naturally it was just, it was entertaining. It was fun playing uh, big shows and outside where weather permits all year pretty much. And uh, coming to Corvallis was just like a wake up call. Um, I had never really been to a small town and seen music. And so I think my first, the first show I, I went to was in a basement. I want to say it was like Mona's or something like that. And um, I was just blown away. I was like, this is a really cool scene. Like everyone's so innocent and they're just here to listen to the music and have a good time. And the bands were fun to listen to. And it just seemed like a very approachable scene. And uh, I knew right then and there, like, I need to I need to get into this, um, even though the crowds are much smaller and it's just much different from what I was used to. I wanted to do it. It's different. It's fun. It's exciting. So, yeah. And to sort of touch on that smaller scene we've got going here, we've seen the oxygen supply of a lot of these smaller bands and venues just absolutely cut with the ongoing pandemic. How have you personally been navigating that when such a big part of smaller scale music is driven by live performance? I was heavily affected. Um, I actually had just planned uh, my first tour uh, with my previous band, Loophole. And uh, we had only played a few shows in Corvallis. We were just starting out, but we were prolific. And uh, we wanted to experience the road. We just wanted to, to play different places and do something with our break. Um, and I'd booked several shows along the West Coast in San Francisco, San Francisco, Sacramento, Santa Cruz, Los Angeles, Portland, um, and it all just kind of crumbled. And uh, when I moved out, I was just like, well, I guess that's the end of the band because I lived with uh, my bandmates. And so we would practice all the time and that was really convenient. And it just kind of tore everything up. And so um, that's when I just kind of ventured off to this new project and decided I'd have to do it alone uh, to be safe. Um, but luckily now I'm working with a couple other guys um, and that's been really helpful. Yeah. And while we know that bigger artists typically release an album and then sort of ride that wave of hype through a tour, a lot of these smaller bands rely on the opposite of that formula hoping to generate a stream of revenue by touring so that they can record. As someone who's quite involved in a variety of music scenes, surely you must be hearing a lot of murmurs among fellow artists about the current state of affairs. What's everyone saying? Um, well, it's interesting now that I'm back in Los Angeles because I'll drive around and look at all these venues closed and I don't think many of them are gonna recover. Um, but there are efforts to, to start up a new type of music uh, performance. Uh, I have a couple friends who just went to the Thundercat performance, which was um, basically like a drive-in, and you just sit in your car and you can, I think, turn on your radio, tune in, and they have it like monitors in your own car pretty much. And they said it was awful, uh, which was kind of a disappointment. I thought it'd be really cool. I wanted to go, but it was kind of expensive, and I just wasn't really down, but they said he only played for like 20 minutes and then Hannibal Burris came out and gave us, you know, he did his set, which was cool. It was funny. Um, but I think I just don't know if these drive in shows are going to do it because part of 
hearing music live as being in the same room or being in the same area but like close with other people it's it's a show it's a social event it's uh it's like a a physical feeling when you're just right up close and you feel the amps and you feel the the noise waves and everything it's just a it's a physical experience that you can't recreate just sitting in your car um so it seems like it seems like a lot of people are just live streaming and trying to produce the best sounding music um, and release it on the internet. So I think it's going to do a lot for recording, people who are just recording artists and not really performers. Uh, but as, as far as performance goes, I'm excited to see what happens, um, if, if things will reopen or if there will be new ideas that create new, new options. Do you think that we'll see house show and local music culture come back in a world post-COVID? I think so. That would be really hard just to let go of something like that. Um, For me, at least, even though I'm a student at OSU, music is huge for me. Um, I couldn't just let that go. I mean, playing, jamming with people and recording is one thing, but playing live that's like the only social event I enjoy. <laughs> like parties are fun, but like music live shows, I just think it's too culturally important for musicians and just music lovers just to let go like that. So maybe once we have a vaccine. As a former venue host yourself back in the days of Z Outhouse, uh, what do you think that a house show might look like after all of this? It's scary to think about um, because at the outhouse, we would just cram people in there. Uh, It's you're just packing. I mean, I was just packing my living room with virtually strangers uh, and some friends. But it's just it's a high contact thing. And it's it's a lot to to risk. And it's it's going to be hard for people just to kind of ease back into it and just start going and attending these events so I'm not sure what it's going to look like it would be really weird if it was a distanced just really safe event because I think sometimes the rowdier uh, shows are some of the best shows because people are just expressing themselves and showing that they're really interested in what they're hearing and like I said it's a physical experience (laughs) I understand that you're based out of California at the moment but do you have any plans to return to Oregon in the near future? I do, actually. I originally came down here to visit a couple national parks. I'm a forestry major, and I happened to meet a very nice girl and decided to stay here and uh, continue our relationship. And um, I actually just found out today that we'll probably be moving up um, in either December or January. Um, but yeah, I'll be returning to Oregon, which is slight. It's, it's a bit unfortunate for uh, this project because I'm using a couple of my friends. Basically, I, I write the music and I show them and then they'll learn it and then they'll kind of add their own flavor to it and they have all the equipment. So we just record it there, which is awesome. It's a lot of fun and it's a pretty successful turnout. Um, so I'll be leaving that. Uh, I'll have to figure something else out up there, but I'm used to adapting to situations and I think it's kind of (laughs) fun. 
do you know yet if you're going to be taking that My Lucky Jalapeno branding during that transition? Or are we going to see another new project in the works down the road? I will probably carry it until I meet another group of people who are like-minded and willing to collaborate um, and create something new. Uh, it would be weird just to like create a, a new band up there and then show them how to play everything and make it my project and not call it, you know, like it's, it would be really weird just to do that. I'm not that kind of person. I like collaborating. This is my first time doing a solo project, so it's all new to me. And um, I don't really like doing vocals. <laughs> I like being kind of in the back seat or in the passenger seat, just not the driver's seat. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure. I'm just kind of rolling with it. I think it's a lot of fun and I have to have a project going at all times or else I just go crazy. And so we'll see what happens, yeah. And speaking in terms of things to come, when can we expect to hear a content drop? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, actually, after this interview, I'm going over to the stew uh, to record another track. Um, we've been practicing for a little bit. I'm always writing. I have like a dozen projects on each on each software, uh, like Logic, Ableton, GarageBand, and then I have probably hundreds of voice memos on my phone of just quick ideas, and I just combine them to make songs, and um, I, I just have a lot going on but not really like a, a clear list of priorities. In other words, I'm not super organized, <laughs> but um, you can probably expect the next song to be dropped in eh, about a month. You can find My Lucky Jalapeno on Instagram via at My Lucky Jalapeno, and you can check out the link on the show's Instagram at the Oxcord KBVR for the link to some of his music. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Dan, a.k.a. My Lucky Jalapeno. It's been a pleasure.